Well, it's been a while, and here we are, back for another episode of A-Sides. Yeah. It feels weird in my basement now, now that I've been outside this whole time. Like, the lighting feels weird. Oh, really? That maybe my first Bloody Mary was stronger than I thought. <laughs> I don't know. Anyhow, how have you been, Andrew? I've been all right. I took a trip out to Wyoming a little bit ago. Hell yeah. You see some buffalo? No. No, I saw some, like, some called pronghorns, though. I guess they look like deer, but they got white faces. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to picture that. I don't know the term, so I'm also not like a deer expert or anything. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> Me either. I've been out to Wyoming. I've been wanting to go back out there, actually. Um, yeah, I'd like to do a little western trip and uh, yeah. do some camping, see some buffalo, see some, uh, what were they called, <laughs> long prongs? Long prong, prong silver. <laughs> prong horns? I prong guess, well, horns. we spent more prong time, or bulk of the time in uh, Colorado, went to Fort oh. Collins and then um, Estes Park and right. up in the Rocky Mountains. Yeah, Estes Park's awesome, man. I haven't yeah. been there in, geez, probably 25 years now, damn near. Oh, damn. So, yeah, I haven't been there since I was a teenager, so <laughs> I'd like to go back. So, yeah, you're due then. I am due. I'm long due. That, and it'd be cool to take the kids and show them some different shit. Well, hey, it's been a long time since we've done uh, one of these episodes. You've had a couple interviews that you've done, and mm. I guess we might as well tell the fine folks listening at home what this is all about. Mm. So it was your idea, so I'm going to make you do it. Oh. Well, you had actually, uh, we're talking about, I think it was Nine Inch Nails, yeah, it was kind of your idea, and I just said, right. well, let's just talk about our favorite ones, and then the Halsey one came out, which is produced by Trent Reznor. Right. Basically, it's like a so it kind of made Nails sense. record with her singing over the top of it. Yeah. So, I guess to go off topic, kind of on topic, kind of off topic, off the specific topic, I guess, but what did you think of the Halsey album? Um, It didn't really do anything for me. Yeah. So, I know you were talking about it in, like, texts. But I didn't really, I didn't want to say a whole lot at the time because I didn't want to like, you right. know, talk about it before we were going to talk about right. it. But I don't know. It didn't really do anything for me. Dude, what's really funny is I didn't listen to it as at in its entirety until way later. Like I heard like the one single, I think, and maybe one other song. So I maybe heard two tracks from it early on. Yeah. And I kind of just wasn't drawn to it. So I was like, eh, whatever, you know, yeah. I kind of just wrote it off. Until we started talking about doing this Nine Inch Nails episode like a few weeks ago, and then, um, then I remembered that that was uh, produced by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, and I had seen all the uh, there's kind of all these whatever you want to call it, where everybody's basically begging for a fucking Grammy. <laughs> we'll just call it. I'll just call it that. I'll just be unfiltered about it and. Yeah, I've seen a Six. lot of that more than usual. It's actual, it's like yeah. for your consideration, and yeah. they're actually posting. Yeah, like what everybody's doing it. It's weird, and so yeah. that's what put the Halsey record back on my radar. And it was like, eh, you know what? I kind of forgot that that was produced by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. And I was like, yeah, you know, I'm going to listen to that and just give it the whole record in its entirety yeah. a chance. And the first couple songs, I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. And then I don't know, man, somewhere. Around like the fourth or fifth song, I just all of a sudden realized I was really fucking drawn into it. And mm. I feel like the last, the back half of the record is really fucking good. 
I appreciate the first few songs more now, the more I've listened to it, but at first was kind of not super into it, but man, I don't know. I got, I listened to it like three times hmm. in those couple days and was like, fuck it. I'm going to buy this album. Like I couldn't get it on Amazon. They were like sold out. So they like the only copies I could find would be like assholes trying to sell shit for 60 bucks uh, or 70 bucks or I hate that. so I saw that Barnes and Noble actually had had it in stock so mm. I was like fuck well I'm gonna just go over there and get it because I have to have this album you know and I still stand behind it because I listened to it again this morning I, you know was up at five and I was like well I'm gonna listen to something to before I go out and start on all this stupid yard work I'm doing and drink a cup of coffee and I was like man I still yeah I mean, I'm probably on my only my sixth listen, maybe fifth or sixth, but I'm still all about it. Like, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm huh. gonna keep listening to this fucker. So I think it's also though, I like, I don't know lyrically, it's really fucking good. So I think maybe it's one of those things where maybe some of it, on the surface, isn't really fucking like necessarily gonna grab you on the first listen, but then you live with it a little bit. You start listening to the lyrics and stuff, and. You know what I mean? And they just kind of start, yeah. I don't know, pulling you in, you know? Yeah, because I listened to it back when it came out, like in August, because I think it was one of those things that flew under the radar for everybody. Cause she just announced, hey, I'm putting out an album, and then it came out like a month right. later or something like that. And so I tried to listen to it at the time, but I'm at work, and I'm maybe at the time I thought I needed something more like upbeat, or not upbeat, but more, you know, because some of them are kind of like, laid back stuff, or yeah, yeah mellow or something so i'm like maybe i need the right kind of mood for this so i listened to it at home later and i was just kind of like i don't really know if i'm getting into it as much and so i kind of yeah put it on the back burner too until yeah it came up now yeah i mean i it's kind of funny because i never bought the last one on vinyl and i really liked it and now i'm thinking like fuck i'll probably end up going back and buying that one see and i did when it came out and we talked about it it was manic well, then in the meantime, since then, I had never listened to her first albums. So I went yeah. and listened to those. Was it Tragic or something? Badlands something. or whatever. Yeah, Badlands was the first one. Then there's something like that one a lot. Kingdom yeah. or something is the second one. And like, I love Badlands. Like, I almost like it more than Manic now. It's good. Yeah. I kind of, that's one that I've popped on my fucking Amazon thing in my earbuds at work yeah. or whatever a few times now. And the first couple times, I was kind of like, yeah, it's okay. But mm -hmm. for some reason, the last couple times I've listened to it, because now I'm going back after really falling in love with the new album, now I'm like going back yeah. and listening to the other stuff again. And I actually realized, like, fuck, I think Badlands might be my favorite thing she's done. I mean, yeah. I mean, along with the new one, you know. But Even yeah. with that album, like, some people put out, like, you know, like a deluxe album later after the fact you know almost seems like a cash and like oh here's some things we left over but now here's a here's a deluxe thing she actually like i think when i got badland she actually said that she wanted the deluxe thing because she wrote some songs at the last minute so they kind of got left off um, but she says the deluxe is what she wants and it actually is like i think it's one of the deluxe albums for somebody that actually it actually improves the album, or sometimes yeah. they just kind of seem like they added filler on there. Yeah, like why this was unnecessary. Yeah. Almost would have been better off not ever hearing it. Yeah, man. Uh, so 
So yeah, maybe maybe it's just for me. It set the bar too high for this or something. Yeah. Well, so yeah, because you know, were really but... all about the last record. Yeah. So plus, I mean, the cover. She's showing her tit right on the cover, so that <laughs> raises the bar. Like, I mean, yeah. How do you beat that cover? Although she's holding a baby too, so I guess it's probably not supposed supposed to be sexualized. Yeah. Anymore, you know? <laughs> but here I am, just that guy that's like, ah, that's a boob. <laughs> I wouldn't expect I just, anything less. I just put my thumb over the baby to where I can't see the baby, and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no one ever doubted that I was going to hell, but I might have just secured my spot. Hey, so, speaking of new albums, though, this is something that's off topic, but I wanted to throw in. There was something I texted you about because I got a weird email, or I thought it was weird at the time, and a guy sent me an email that said... um. Um, A-Sides was included in the top 10 record-collecting podcasts on something called Feedspot. And I'm like, I've never heard of this. I don't know if it's legit. So I emailed the guy back and, like, looked it up. And I guess it's some kind of, like, media hub where you can sign up for it and you could choose what kind of topics you want. So it's basically, like, you can follow all these podcasts or websites and you only get that content. So I guess it's like you don't have to go to the website to see the stories. You Uh just get the stories... Yeah. Or something. So, so it kind of is legit. But I guess we were number seven on this. Yeah, I'll take um, that. List, so, yeah, the fact that there was a number attached to us at all is yeah. surprising enough to me. So, yeah, there you go. So yeah, we're doing something right. We're legitimate now, motherfuckers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. Hopefully, that means more people are listening. Yeah. So this episode, this. This idea of picking out these two albums, it almost bummed me out in a way because I'm just such a big Nine Inch Nails fan. And I like the idea of doing something different, but then like going back and listening to them more, I mean, this stuff's already kind of like in my semi-regular rotation. I mean, it's just Nine Inch Nails is a band that gets rotated in and out all the time. I've never like stopped listening to them, so I don't want to say that I was going back and listening to them, but to specifically focus on listening to them for a couple weeks, which when you first came up with the idea, I was like, well, I probably don't need to brush up on any of this shit, but I'm just going to listen to, you know, go in and just start listening. I didn't make it through the whole catalog, but I started just listening to tons of shit, like a couple albums I hadn't listened to in a while and, and whatever. Like I hadn't listened to year zero in a while and that's a really fucking cool album. Um, I actually did listen to that one too. I hadn't listened to that God, in like 10 years. Yeah. Yeah, I loved it when it came out. And I remember buying that on vinyl, like right when it came out. And it was kind of expensive. Wow. I remember correctly, it was kind of an expensive one when it came out. And I was like, ah, fuck, do I really want to buy this? But but yeah, I mean, I thought that one was really cool and flew under the radar quite a bit. I mean, I don't remember there being much of a hit off of it. And it was following With Teeth. So With Teeth almost kind of brought them back to, I mean, they had like two legitimate, fairly big hits, you know, so, but yeah, man, so your idea was to, well, I guess the point I was getting at that I totally fucking babbled and went off the rails a little bit there, but I almost got bummed out that I couldn't make like my top 10 list. I was like, Mm -hmm. oh shit, maybe I should just make a top 10 list anyhow and just be like, (laughs) fuck you, Andy. I'm telling everybody my favorite songs, but I didn't, but Anyhow, so, yeah, with that whole side rant about mm-hmm. how I wish I could have made the rules on this show, but 
Oh, you can't. But it was I fun. Mean, no, I like the idea of doing this though because me specifically, like I could probably either one of these albums really because your pick was just right up there too. I yeah. couldn't even argue, you know. I was like, "Oh, it's Andy. He's going to come up with some curveball. He's going to have some odd like some oddball favorite album yeah. like you're going to be the one guy that says the slip is his favorite album or <laughs> you know, something like that, yeah. but, but yeah. So. I was kind of um surprised cuz I thought too. Well, I guess why I thought this is because you know, like I like doing the ranking of the albums and the songs, but sometimes it seems like I guess maybe the fun is not knowing what we're going to talk about or like ahead of time, like your list and my list. But I thought maybe one time we could we could have something where we talked about it ahead of time or something and right. picked uh, two. But I was kind of surprised that um, this was your uh, favorite one, uh, um, Broken. I yeah. Thought, so you picked yeah. you picked with teeth. I picked Broken, which. Being an EP, I almost thought like, well, do I make some rule that I can't pick that one because it's just but, an EP and not a full length album? Yeah, but then it but, made sense after you told me that because that was in your uh, sophomore albums that we did. So, yeah. yeah. It's not like I shouldn't have seen it coming. Well, it's just so... It really is flawless. I think that the reason why it's my favorite and the reason it was my pick is because it was the turning point going from Pretty Hate Machine to uh, Downward Spiral. Yeah. I mean, Pretty Hate Machine lyrically is pretty dark. Sonically, it has dark moments, but it's still like kind of more of a pop album and doesn't yeah. have any of that raw, aggressive, like loud. You know, it's just not that loud and distorted like Downward Spiral was. But it's like this... EP came out and I don't, I mean, I guess Trent Reznor at the time, he was like pretty pissed off at the label, right? I'm trying to think of the label name. Um, it was TVT. Yeah. TVT. And, uh, I think that if I remember correctly, he started his own label and kind of just put this out like to, or maybe he, God damn it. I don't know. Maybe I should have done some research before I started. I didn't plan on talking about this. I kind of looked it up because I wasn't sure why I looked up. I think what got me thinking about it was how come there was a long gap between Pretty Hate Machine and then this coming out. And then even the downward spiral was like 94. So I was like, why was this some huge like gap? So I started looking at maybe the... Well, because I think there was like some kind of struggle behind him and the uh, between him and the label and... Yeah, because he said they didn't promote uh, what Pretty Hate Machine enough, and so he actually like this broken. He like recorded it under like a pseudonym or some name, like because like, he thought if the label knew that he was doing another Nine Inch Nails thing, they would like take it and want to release it. So he kind of did it like yeah. on the down low, I guess, while he was trying to get out of the yeah. contract or whatever. Yeah, I knew there was some story. I just couldn't. Couldn't remember. I shouldn't have started talking. It's like I started talking about it and realized I can't fucking remember. Why am I why am I starting to tell this story? So, you know, it's a good thing you happened to look that up as well and do a little research because <clears throat> I failed in that regard. But yeah, so I mean the darker sound, it's almost like they it's like Trent introduced the sound that we would later 
be used to that we would we would know Nine Inch Nails as, you know. And there's just a lot of aggression in this album. And also, if I was to make like a top 10 list, almost every song on this <laughs> EP would probably be on there. So it probably really wouldn't be that interesting of a top 10 list now that I think about it. But I can remember buying this and listening to it a few times before I discovered that there was like two extra tracks at the end. Because, <laughs> you know, I had it on CD at the time and uh i'd sit there and just list play the fuck out of these six songs and like one day i just was listening to it and i was doing something and all of a sudden like i thought the cd just stopped and all of a sudden this other song comes on and i'm like the fuck is that <laughs> and i just was like holy shit because i lived with it for a while and was already like wearing out these other songs and all of a sudden i discovered later like i mean dude i'm talking like probably two months I had this before I realized there was two <laughs> other songs on there. And I'm like, oh my God, this is so fucking cool. There's two more songs I didn't yeah. know about. Because it's like, it would skip all the way to 98, 99 on the CD. And yeah. whereas this actually, the vinyl is kind of funny because it just came with like a, a seven inch. Yeah, I was wondering because I looked it up and it said that um, original copies of the CD had like a mini CD with those two songs and then they reissued it and it had all the uh, silent tracks. Hmm. So I didn't know if yours, cause it only lists like yeah. the initial tracks on that. I didn't know if you had like a little seven inch or something that had the, yeah, that's how they did it on there. I guess they couldn't fit the, however many <laughs> 90 fucking empty <laughs> tracks on a vinyl yeah. you have to put on a 12 inch record and just let it run it's just empty through nothing and then flip <laughs> it and let it run again until it finally <laughs> hits the next two songs but man i can remember so getting into nine inch nails when i was probably 13 14 years old right i would have been 13 because it was woodstock 94 and I didn't go. That'd be a way fucking cooler story. But I was watching like the live <laughs> coverage on MTV <laughs> and uh, and Nine Inch Nails, they showed Nine Inch Nails playing Happiness and Slavery just covered in fucking mud, you know. And uh, or no, I take that back. It was Head Like a Hole. So I was like, man, that song is fucking super cool. And I had to have the album. So I bought Pretty Hate Machine. And kind of caught me off guard because it wasn't as raw and loud and yeah. nasty as the live version I had saw on MTV, but it was kind of more glossy and poppy and stuff. And so at first I was kind of bummed, like, well, this isn't really what I expected, but then I grew to really love the album. And <clears throat> then I actually bought the Woodstock 94 CD, which had the live version of Happiness and Slavery on it. And I was like, man, that fucking song is cool as shit. And I was like, <laughs> I need to buy that album too. And so I ended up buying Broken. And at this time, it's funny because like Downward Spiral came out, but I was like a late bloomer getting into it, I guess, because like I heard Closer was on MTV, but for some reason it just, it didn't really grab me. Yeah. I don't know why. I love the song now. I think I appreciate it more now for what it is than I did back then. But, you know, because <laughs> eventually, so basically I bought these albums in order even though I didn't get into them until Downward Spiral came out. I I bought a Pretty Hate Machine first and then Broken and then Downward Spiral and, you know, 
downward spiral was dark. Like it just kind of was, you know, <laughs> like I said, like closer, I didn't really get into that much. I mean, and even for a long time, I just would kind of skip over that song. Like I thought it was just kind of, eh, you know, maybe just cause MTV wore it out. Right. Like yeah. you get tired of hearing shit that's on MTV all the time. And so I just dismissed it. Like I didn't want to listen to anything that was on MTV. And, uh, Man, you're already a hipster and you're like 12 years old. <laughs> <laughs> I was 13, <laughs> whatever. But yeah, so then like uh, I remember though putting uh, Downward Spiral on the CD player and Heresy came on and I'm like, holy shit, dude. When it hits that chorus and he's just like, God is dead. I'm like, <laughs> what the fuck? Because when you're a kid, like we talked about it before, like that shit just kind of, you take it very seriously. Yeah. Like... Oh my God, this guy's going to go to hell. Am I going to go to hell for listening to this? You know, because those lyrics were fucking intense, man. I remember listening to the lyrics on it, reading them in the book, and I'm just like, holy fuck. Like, this dude is straight up, like, he don't give a shit. He's just straight up, like, middle finger to Jesus Christ right in the middle of the song. And it was like scaring the shit out of me a little bit, you know? I mean, I was a kid. Of course it scared me. Scares me now. Not really, but now I drive around and listen to it in my car, and I'm like, man, the fucking drum machine sounds killer on there. But, <laughs> so um, I guess I went off topic because I'm supposed to be talking about Broken, but I was just giving you an well, idea. Well, you got to throw context Yeah, you know, it was a little bit of a backstory yeah. of how I got into the old Nine Inch Nails, you know? So, and I'll say, too, like, last, probably my like that's dude top five nine nine inch nail songs like i've never understood how the song last hasn't been a bigger fucking hit to me that like should have been the hit off this record i would actually say that that's the uh uh, my favorite one on there yeah yeah if i had to rank them that's my number one i mean it's just so fucking good that gave up you know, wish is great. I mean, there's great lyrical moments in the in this e, this whole EP. To, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. You know, don't think you're having all the fun. You know me. I hate everyone. That's like one of my favorite lyrics. I'm like, I I feel like I wrote that. You know, because I'm just like grouchy and I fucking hate everyone. So, I feel like I wrote that song. Thanks, Trent. Plus, you talking about the aggressiveness on there. It's like I hadn't visit or like revisited that album or I guess EP in a while and kind of um, listening to it and thinking about how it's so aggressive compared to even the first album and everything. Right. You can kind of tell how that kind of music being in the mainstream kind of did kind of bleed over into stuff. Cause he ended up, you know, working with Marilyn Manson. Then you've got like, <coughs> who actually was on this yeah. record too. Like he played on, gave up and if you've ever seen the video of that Marilyn Manson's playing guitar in it and I think he does like one of the fucked up like weird vocal oh really like the weird effect vocal sound thing in the background kind of you know whatever I'm trying to say weird vocal kind of effect kind of thingy maduhickey (laughs) that's a technical term I guess I was just thinking it kind of inspired more of those kind of what the industrial side of like right. the new metal stuff in the yeah. mainstream because even like Static X was doing stuff like that and maybe they wouldn't have. Oh yeah, I mean you got to figure uh, 
Oh, gee, Stabbing Westward. Yeah. I mean, I remember those guys coming out, and I thought it was a new Nine Inch Nails song for a yeah. second. Like, is that Nine Inch Nails? <laughs> or like Gravity Kills. Yeah. I remember when that Blame, or yeah. what was that song called? Was it Blame? Yeah. Yeah. Man, I forgot about Guilty was the song that they had. That's Blame, right. Blame was Stabbing Westward. Yeah. But that anyhow, one, that yeah. one that uh, Gravity Kills, that was like all over 99X for like... yeah. In eternity. Well, even Filter, I guess, because that was well, uh, Richard, yeah, Richard Patrick, Patrick being in there and right. doing no, his No, I thing. mean, obviously the industrial thing existed before Nine Inch Nails because there was yeah, there Ministry, was, Skinny Puppy, bands like that. But, yeah, the, I mean, I think you're right. Like, yeah. this brought it to the mainstream, and all of a sudden all these mainstream industrial yeah. bands were coming out. Yeah, because this thing is just broken. It's just like in your face, the entire time there's like no yeah. it doesn't let up it yeah. doesn't breathe like i guess that's a good term it doesn't yeah. let up yeah i feel like other than the you know instrumental help me i'm in hell but even that is like it's really short and it's still yeah. really dark and then it just you know as soon as it's done boom slash scream and it just goes right into <laughs> the heaviest song on the fucking yeah. record so you know i'd say downward spiral is like this broader, bigger, more realized experimental thing, and it's creative. Like, yes, it's more creative, and I feel like Trent was fucking on fire coming off of this record going into Downward Spiral, but I think if you just were talking about songwriting, like what records have good songs, we both picked two of the strongest song albums. Like, yeah. With Teeth is... Dude, that's just a really good album. See, I didn't uh, even realize how how like I mean, I knew there was hits on there, especially from working at 99X when that came out. It was like all over, but I didn't know people held it in such like high regard as the earlier albums. I guess I didn't, I mean, Until I do. getting ready for this, like, you know. I hold it in high regards, but I guess I'm with you on that in the sense that um I didn't realize everyone did. But I don't. Have you seen them live? No, I never have. I I, I thought s- about going. There was something that seemed cool. It was like Nine Inch Nails and Soundgarden. Like, so that would have. Yeah, it would have been ago. like. I think they toured in like 2017, and I remember like thinking about getting tickets for that. But it's one of those things. There was like an amphitheater show, and I already had so much going on. It was hard to justify uh, paying for something else. Yeah. Well, I saw him but, twice on this yeah. tour, on the With Teeth tour, and it was, man, I tell you, and I hadn't seen him before that, so it was like, I was obviously really anticipating yeah. it and had been wanting to see them my whole fucking life. Well, not my whole life, but from <laughs> 13 until, I think I was yeah. 20. Bit, like 10 years or more leading up to that. Yeah, almost. I think I was uh, 24, probably, right? Nah, who cares? Details, schmetails. Anyhow... I was in my 20s, but I remember this. So the first time I went with uh, with John Marshall, mm. and we went to St. Louis, and it was fucking just killer, killer show. I mean, they went into Reptile about three quarters of the way through the show, and I just, my mind was blown. Like, <laughs> it was so fucking cool. Like, I didn't really expect to hear that one. It's kind of a deep cut, and it's one of my favorite songs, and so that was just fucking amazing. That all around. Queens of the Stone Age opened. It was a really cool fucking show. And um, 
And then I saw him again in Champagne. It was sick as fuck. Like in bed with the flu, straight up puking all day. I was like, how am I going to go to this show? And like, it was when he was working at 96.5 when Rock 106 had yeah. switched over to Rock 96.5. And they were actually doing like a, a uh, like a group bus thing, like some uh, ticket winners yeah. from the radio station all went and they were kind of hosting it and he was I had already bought tickets um for me and Courtney Courtney and I had just been together maybe a year at that point and he was like well hey you know if you want just you ride just down ride here along. on the bus and yeah. I felt bad <laughs> now looking back I feel even worse because I'm more responsible of a person I guess now but it's like here I am like in bed with the flu all fucking day and then I go hop on a bus with a group full of people and ride down to this concert. But, and I'm usually more considerate than that, but you know, and it was also like way before COVID. Like, so yeah. people, if I did something like that now, people would be like, Oh my fucking God. They would just would crucify me. Like, how do you know you didn't have COVID? You could have fucking killed somebody. But, uh, I don't think I had COVID. Um, I'm, I'm thinking 15 years ago, I probably didn't have COVID, but... All the alcohol might have killed the I was, germs, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. I don't even remember if I drank or not. It just, man, I felt like such shit. And so I remember that show not being as good as the St. Louis show, but I don't know if it's because I just felt so shitty that I just didn't get into it as much. I do yeah. remember they opened with um, Mr. Self-Destruct instead of... Uh, the St. Louis tour was like, or the St. Louis show was the first leg of the tour. So they were still opening with all the love in the world. The, the opening track of this yeah. record, I believe I'm almost positive. It was, they were opening with something from this record, but I think it was the opening track. But then that was kind of a cooler opener. I mean, Mr. Self-Destruct because I didn't see it coming. It was like, Oh fuck. Really? Like, so that was super badass. But, uh, Actually, there was a really good story I have from that show, too. Um, there was an opening band, and I can't remember the name of them, but I'll never forget this. And so, as a musician, this is why I always... My rule of thumb was never fucking apologize. If you're on stage having the worst night of your fucking life, never, ever, 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 ever make a fucking excuse or apologize, because this band is playing, and they're okay. Like, they're just not that good. Not bad. It's not like, oh... They're obviously terrible players or that guy can't sing or anything like that. Yeah, or is it like what you're saying? Like if you make a mistake, like play it off like it yeah, was part of the, the show or something. Whatever the right? case is, yeah. just never fucking make excuses. And the reason I'm saying that is because so these guys are playing. The crowd's not into them. They're not getting a big round of applause after every song. Mm -hmm. Nobody gives a fuck that they're up there. Well, then all of a sudden in between songs, the singer guitar player is like, uh, I just want to apologize because uh, normally I sound much better than this, but I've been fighting a cold for like the last few days. And dude, the place all of a sudden gave a fuck that they were there and started paying attention to him and was like, boo, fuck you. Like literally, dude, the whole oh, crowd damn. started booing them. I was like, <laughs> fuck you, you pussy. <laughs> just all this shit. It was fucking like, it was so, A, kind of funny i'm laughing telling the story <laughs> be really sad i felt genuinely bad for the band but if you have a chance to open for nine inch nails just shut the fuck up and do just come yeah. on man i mean i felt like i was you know i was really fucking sick that day 
and still got hey, up I had a cold and I'm here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I straight up like was puking and had the flu and shit. And I'll tell you right now, as shitty as I felt that day, if I had the chance to open for Nine Inch Nails, I would have toughed my way through it and just fucking, you know. But anyhow, yeah. point is, I saw the effects of making excuses <laughs> to a crowd. <laughs> Don't ever fucking make an excuse and act like a bitch in front of a fucking arena full of people yeah. i mean shit dude just don't <laughs> not even a bar full of people just tough your way through it man don't act like a bitch because i mean fuck it dude it's rock and roll right like he deserved it <laughs> i hate to say it but you know lesson learned dude i bet you yeah. that dude learned the same lesson i did that night it's just he was you know on a different end of the of the whole lesson and he had to feel like shit like you know he felt like shit for the i mean he probably went home and cried, sucked his thumb, and called his mom and told his band he quit. And was, I'm selling all my shit. Fuck this. <laughs> you know, poor guy. Coming home. But hey, lesson learned, man. Like, he pro- who knows? Maybe that was Dave Grohl's first band before the Foo Fighters, and now he went on to become Dave Grohl. Not really, <laughs> because the, t- the timeline doesn't add up, obviously. But just saying, maybe he went on to do great things. Maybe that guy was somebody who's fucking huge now like he learned his lesson that night he fucking Hmm. went on to conquer the world i don't know i hope so because man i wanted to bitch slap him so now that i just babbled and went on my with teeth backstory would you like to explain to everyone listening why this was your pick it seems like it's a little bit i don't know like like some of it to me stands out because it's a little bit more like raw or something. I felt like. I agree with that. Yeah, I mean, it's like produced well, but it's for him, it's yeah. raw. For him, it is more stripped back sounding. Yeah, like I guess yeah, that's a good term because um, I remember at the time and then looking it up now, like they had. It seems like. He always plays the parts, like Trent Reznor always plays the parts. This had like other people in the stu- like studio musicians, right. so it's not all electronic and there's more instrumentation. Actual but then, yeah, some and... stuff is like, I was reading about it now, and I was wondering why there was such a gap even. I was wondering what all these gaps were for in the timeline of their discography, and there's oh. like five or six years between this and the one before it. I can't remember the name of it, it was like the, the two fragile. cd yeah the yeah. fragile and uh well i think it's because that it was... said he went through like a divorce and he was in like rehab and all this stuff he was just like on drugs or something yeah. and then went into rehab and it mm-hmm. said him uh coming out of rehab his like songwriting seemed a lot like stronger yeah uh too and it flowed more uh for him well but, I, dude i mean i didn't like the fragile and that was a really anticipated album because there was a big gap between Downward Spiral and The Fragile. Yeah, there's always like a five-year gap between everything yeah. or something. And it was like people were almost kind of, I don't know, bitching like, oh, why is this taking so long? But then people expected it because it took so long. Yeah. And because Downward Spiral was like this fucking work of genius that took him to this level of yeah. Being revered as a genius, like now he fucked up, right? Like he has a lot to live up to because before he just was the guy that made Pretty Hate Machine and Broken. Now 
He's the guy that made Downward Spiral, which blew everybody's fucking mind from an artistic level and a production level and everything. Yeah. And so now it's like, okay, how I feel like the fragile is the product of somebody finding out, oh, fuck, okay. Apparently I'm a genius. My last work was that of genius. Yeah, so a lot now of how the fuck do to... I, yeah, it was like too much pressure. Like, how do I make this better than the last thing? And then it ended up not being better because it just was like a bloated. So just a bloated record. There's just a lot yeah. of shit on there that doesn't need to be on there. Half the singles weren't all that good. They got they were really fucking boring. I thought the song The Day the World Went Away, which was like released as the first single, because I remember buying the C D single, like at Music Land or some mm-hmm. shit. And I really liked it. At first I was like, I don't know about this song. It's kind of boring, doesn't seem like a hit. But then I it really grew on me to where I was like, No, I really like this. It's cool. I think this is gonna be a great fucking album i think Starfuckers might have been the b-side on that too so i was like okay so there's this dark kind of you know mellower song that's kind of more the artsy thing i don't know why they put that out as the single and then Starfuckers is a little bit more of a straight up rock pop single but then i felt like everything else was just like the wretched was kind of blah like they put that out as a yeah. single and i didn't really love it and but then around that time, there was like the perfect drug from that uh, movie soundtrack, The Lost, the Lost Highway, Highway or yeah. something. And that's like awesome. Yeah, it's a great pop song. Yeah. Yeah. So almost like he gave away his best pop song and then put out this record that was just really, it just felt watered down. It was like he tried too hard to meet some standard that he made for himself and just... It just flopped. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, yeah. he just flopped on that record. I never go back and listen to The Fragile. Mm-hmm. I can't mm-hmm. remember the last... I think the last time I went back to listen to it was probably at least 10 years ago, and I don't think I made it through the whole thing. I think I just started skipping songs. I mean, that would honestly be my least favorite album out of all of them. You know? And that's tough to say, because, I mean, even like... The slip I thought was a dud, but that was really only a dud because it was so short. But there was at least like three of the five songs were fucking awesome. That was the first one. Like, was that the first one that he kind of put out as like a free album, but you could pay for it yeah. as well? Because I think it was the yeah. one after this, or no, after uh, after Year Zero, because he did Ghosts yeah. and then the slip. Right. Yep. Yeah, I forgot. I thought there was a cool thing. song on there, like One Million. Yeah. No, there's yeah. like. There's like five songs, I think, on it, and three of the five were really strong, but then like two were kind of, eh. And you can't put out a five-song EP and have two of them be duds. Yeah. You can't. <laughs> you know, it's like, just make it a three-song EP. Just release a single with a fucking B-side or something. Like, why did you, like, don't, you know. That's the only reason why that's kind of a dud, but the thing is, I, the three songs that are on there are cool enough to where I'm probably still going to go back and listen to The Slip before I'm going to listen to The Fragile, you know? So it's a bum deal. But I like uh, this later stuff he's been putting out, I think has been pretty solid. Add Violence I thought was really cool. It didn't even need to be that good. I thought Add Violence was such a cool album title that, you know, it was like, shit, dude. It could (laughs) have just been nothing on that fucking record, but... 
There's one titles. thing with this back to like the with teeth that like stands out that's funny to me. It's not really related to the album itself, but I went into co-op to buy this um, the day it came out and I got into my car, you know, to pop in the CD before I left to drive off. And it actually had two um, CDs in there. There was two copies. Like somehow the factory put a second like CD in there. So, uh, but then the inverse of that. So I got two CDs and I gave one away to a friend. There was years uh, later, I bought a CD from Best Buy of this group, uh, Chromio. And they're like an electronic kind of pop um, group that's like a throwback to the 80s. Well, I bought that, and there was no CD in it at all. It <laughs> was just an empty case. They fucking got you back. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> well, yeah, dude. I mean, so I guess the funny thing about With Teeth to me is only is almost one of their poppiest songs they've ever done. That would have been the second single. I believe Hand That Feeds was the first single yeah. they put out. And that, you know, I thought they were both solid singles, but I remember when Only came out and a lot of people were like, man, that song's fucking dumb. I don't like that new single. Really? And I love it. I still think it's great. I think it's fucking just genius just the way, I don't know, dude. Like I was even listening (laughs) to it on the way over here and I like his vocals or delivery in the verses because he's almost kind of like talking or something. It sounds motivational. Like he's like... Um, I forget what the thing was, but he's like, I'm less concerned with your world or something. Your Fitting into your is. world, your world that is. Yeah. yeah. It almost sounds like some kind of, well, like, it almost goes against the rhythm of the song, Yeah, but it works. Like, it's almost like he created this, uh, it's like an alternate rhythm. It's like, you got like the rhythm and the music of the song, the music going this way. Yeah. And then like the fucking lyrics are coming against the grain this way. If everybody could see what I'm doing with my <laughs> yeah, hands, really. <laughs> it would somehow make sense. Not really. You would actually just. I'm usually the one the doing face. the hand, the hand motions. Yeah. But yeah, that song is like really interesting. It's like really cool and like put together really well. Yeah, it's probably their last really genuinely brilliant single. You know, mm-hmm. like they've put out singles since then that was cool, but. Uh, or that were cool since I, that was plural and I don't know, apparently. What time is it? Not even 1130. And I'm already feeling the, the effects of alcohol. God damn I'm it. I'm jacked up on God coffee. This it. is like my second yeah. thermos. Thing. Nice. I kind of needed more coffee this morning. I should have got more, but what can you do? So Instead, what's your favorite, what's your favorite song on here then? I will say, you know what you are, that chorus, like, I don't know. The minute we started talking about this album, that was the first fucking chorus that popped in my head, you know? Just, it kind of sounds it aggressive, is, but... like broken, yeah. in a way. It's kind of yeah. got that. Because some of this album doesn't sound as angry. Sunspots, that's a really cool song. That's mm-hmm. one that for some reason, like, was the sleeper track for me, where the first few times, maybe even many times I listened to it, it didn't do much for me. And then later, like, I, dude, I probably didn't get into it till years later. I'd say the last few years, every time I bust this album out, 
I'm like, oh yeah, fuck, <laughs> this song's badass. You know, like it just keeps, I don't know, growing on me more and more to where I'm, that's the, I've said it before probably, but to me, that's what makes a great record is once there's like those sleeper tracks, some stuff mm. that you weren't necessarily, they didn't grab you the you first. You rediscover something. Yeah. Mm. Like all of a sudden you're like, fuck now these three songs were my favorite when I first bought the album 15 years ago. And then now those are okay. But these other three songs are like my new favorite mm-hmm. fucking tracks on the record. I think they smoke everything else. And 15 <laughs> and 15 years ago, I wouldn't have given two fucks about those three songs. You know what I mean? Like that's, what's really great about a record like this. You know, I, when it came out, I would play it front to back and I would enjoy the whole thing, but I feel like 15 years ago, the stuff that stood out then, half of that doesn't stand out as much as hmm. some other stuff does now, you know. And that's a true testament to how fucking great this album is, you know. And uh, you know, right where you or right where it belongs, that was almost like the best ballad since Hurt. You know, it was like the new version of Hurt, almost right, like. They were playing that one live on that tour, I remember, too. and Kind of had a cool video that it was synced up with when they played it. And I think something about that version live kind of made that song end up being one of my favorite tracks on the record as well. Whereas had I not seen it and not seen them live and been there in the moment, I don't know if that song would have been one of my favorites. Um, I it didn't. I didn't look this up, but did they play like a bulk of the album? Yeah, on that tour. Like they, I know they're promoting it, but I mean, like I said, I think the first leg it was a lot. Um, let me see. Without cheating and looking up set list FM. Okay, so I know they were playing all the love in the world. You know what you are. I feel like one of the shows they played The Collector. Obviously, they played Hand That Feeds because that was one of the singles. I'm pretty sure they played Love Is Not Enough. Pretty sure one of the times they played With Teeth. Only they did because that was a single. The Line Begins to Blur. I specifically remember him playing that one. And Right Where It Belongs. So about three quarters of it at least. Yeah. Yeah, so it was a good chunk of the record, man. Damn. So it was a good show, man. I, you know, I'd like to see Nine Inch, Nine Inch Nails live again. But in fact, they have a home video. Now that I think about it, that they put out from this tour. Oh, that's right. Is it called "Beside You in Time"? Or I think it might be. It takes like a yeah, a song title. That was a really, yeah. in fact, it's a really cool live DVD that I. I bought the DVD when it came out and I kind of forgot about it. I haven't watched it in a long time. That's something I, fuck man. <laughs> now I wish I would have, <laughs> I wish I would have watched it. Not that I can't watch it, but I should have done that to prepare for this episode. But no, man, I mean, Nine Inch Nails is one of my favorite, you know, quote unquote bands, right? Cause it's really just technically Trent Reznor, but he's always been somebody that's from a musical standpoint, from an artist standpoint, like I've always really looked up to him. I mean, that's one of my heroes, you know? So 
I guess just the idea. I just like the idea of a songwriter and a producer that's kind of like, ah, fuck you. I'm just going to be the boss of everything. You know, <laughs> it's like. He does kind of do it his way. Yeah. Like, you know, he was. I guess I can relate to it, you know, like I, I don't. Like me personally, I don't mean to be a dick, but I think sometimes I'm a dick because I always <laughs> want to do things my own way and my, by my own terms, you know? Um, Even like I said, releasing like the slip or whatever, that was one of the first ones where somebody self-released something like that, like online. Because I think he's like... Short of maybe Prince, because Prince was kind of ahead of the curve on that shit. Yeah. But, yeah. Mean, he's like, hey, new album next week, and then boom, it's there. And yeah. now people are doing that all the time in the pandemic. Yeah. You know? And he was... It's kind of out there. Yeah, dude. I mean, he's a, he's a bad motherfucker. <laughs> Great dark lyrics. I've always been drawn to his lyrical style. And um, I don't know. I mean, I can remember listening to Pretty Hate Machine and something I can never have coming on. And I'm not sure if I loved it the first time I heard it, but. I mean, there's not much to that song. The piano is just kind of doing that dun, 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 you know, just over and over again. And he's just singing like Trent Reznor. There's not like a lot of dynamics there or anything, but it was like the lyrics are so fucking good and the tone of it just pulls you in. And I mean, he has a way about him that just he's haunting, you know? Like, you would think he'd be a way scarier-looking dude. <laughs> you know? Like, he's not really that intimidating-looking. Yeah. Although he's pretty buff now. He's, you know, he's gotten pretty fucking jacked from hitting the gym and stuff. So, the result of uh, being sober, I suppose. But he, uh, yeah, bad motherfucker, Trent Reznor. Um, That's my last quote. <laughs> Like randomly, um, I thought of this too. Um, how we mentioned Perfect Drug, that was kind of like a single, like prior to the Fragile. Do you remember one that came out the early two thousands called like Deep? I do vaguely, but I can't remember what it was from now. Oh, I, I remember it was from one of the Tomb Raider movies. I was gonna say it was from it, yeah. I think I was, that was about the time I was aware of Nine Inch Nails, kind of like between. It was the second Tomb Raider movie, wasn't it? I think so. It was so. like a sequel, like a second Angelina Jolie. Yeah, Yeah, because I can't remember. There was a Korn song. I don't know if it was tied into that movie, yeah. too, or something. But it My was... first thought was Resident Evil for some reason, but yeah, you're right. I think that was kind of more my entry point, Yeah, I guess, or one of the things that was like... Even the single he did with David Bowie, I think. Oh, Afraid of Americans. Yeah, because I remember kind of hearing or, those. Yeah, that's what it was called. Yeah, right? afraid yeah. of Americans, and it's just a Bowie walking down the street. Yeah, yeah, because that was all coming off of. Because Bowie did uh, on the Downward Spiral tour, I think they opened for Bowie, and at one point, or maybe a short leg. And I know there was performances where David Bowie got up because there was that home video that came out, Closure. Mm -hmm. And there was a version, a live version of something I can never have. I think it was, or maybe it was Hurt with David Bowie and Trent Reznor both singing. I don't know. I'm kind of, I can't remember now, but 
that was an mm. interesting video. If you, <laughs> hmm. I still have that uh, VHS. I think it's sitting up there on the shelf behind you there. But yeah, that was a weird fucking video, dude. Hmm. All those, it had the stuff from the uh, when broken came out. He filmed kind of like this snuff film type thing. I can't remember what it was called now, but had like the weird happiness and slavery video where the dude's like straps himself into this torture device and at the end it like rips his fucking balls off and shit. <laughs> Have you never seen that? I don't think so, no. Oh my God, dude. I don't know if you can find it on YouTube or not, but I mean, I'm not suggesting you watch it because mm. it's pretty disturbing, dude. It's hard to watch. <laughs> as much of a fan as I am, I couldn't, I watched it once and was like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's hard to watch dude like that whole home video because i just never realized i had only seen like the videos from uh downward spiral like clo uh, closer and hurt and stuff and march of the pigs i had seen i remember seeing that music video on uh headbangers ball i believe late at night or actually no it was what was the show that was after headbangers ball there was a show that came on like alternative nation I think that's what it was called that like okay. after headbangers ball went off the air and then there was a, I never saw it, but was there show? something back in the day, like 120 minutes? There was that, like that too. Yeah. I'm just getting them mixed up in my head. Like I can't remember what was first and what was second and what was last and mm -hmm. what didn't actually exist, but I dreamt. <laughs> but <laughs> so anyhow, I remember seeing the March of the pigs video too. And then I remember seeing, uh, I do remember seeing the, uh, Wish video where they were like all in a fucking cage and shit. They were playing in the cage and everybody's on the outside of the cage. And I think maybe I saw the head like a whole video prior to that, but I don't really remember. But I bought the home video because it came out right then when I was all, you know, in love with them and at the height of my Nine Inch Nails fandom and I put that VHS tape in, and first of all, thank fucking God my parents didn't walk in the room. <laughs> because they definitely would have thought I was, you know. Our son's possessed. Well, they would have thought I was a homo. <laughs> so, <laughs> not saying anything bad about it. It's just, I'm just being real here, because the Sin video was like two guys wearing almost nothing and just rubbing like paint on each other, like super homoerotic. Hmm. And then like the happiness and slavery video, like this dude takes his clothes off, straps himself into this torture device. And it's like a video of these things coming out, stretching his nipples out and his dick and balls and shows everything. And then at the end of the video, like this thing clamps onto his <laughs> junk and then you see it just like jerk and like rip his shit off. Well, that's where they got the idea for the Saw movies, I guess. <laughs> and then I guess so. And then it like feeds him into this fucking machine. And I was like, oh my God, dude, like I felt like fucking puking <laughs> like, as much of a horror movie fan as I am and everything. And like, dude, I couldn't. Like, that was rough. I don't, I think he maybe just made that as kind of part of his middle finger to the yeah. record label and stuff, you know? Like, he just wanted to piss some people off, you know? And fuck, he did, I think. Yeah, I mean, it was banned, obviously. Like, MTV couldn't show any of the videos. and <laughs> But it was originally, like, so that closure thing, though, had the music videos, but I think that happiness and slavery video was technically part of, I think there was an actual like short film that had videos for all the songs on broken 
Oh, gotcha. And it was supposed, and it was all just kind of like this weird, like snuff film type thing, like that. Huh. Like in the in the vein of a snuff film, right? But I don't know, dude. Pretty far out there, shit. <laughs> you got a VHS player at home? You want to borrow that? <laughs> I actually do. I do still have a VHS player. Well, dude, I'll tell you this: the second, so there's two tapes, and like, and I don't know if they ever put this out on DVD. I mean, I would buy it if they put it out on Blu-ray now, just because the live video was really cool. I mean, there were some really cool performances. Some of the backstage shit was cool, and you know, this was early in Marilyn Manson's career, and there was footage of him because. They were, I think, on some of the shows Marilyn Manson opened, and this would have been like Smells Like Children, like pre-Antichrist Superstar, so, yeah, interesting stuff. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what what all else you got, but I can't babble too long, because mm. I got to go wish my mom a happy birthday today, even though it's not for a few days, but we decided since it's... Nice today. We just, you know, grill out some steaks and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's a good day for it. Yeah. It's a good uh, 70, well, maybe not quite 70. It felt pretty warm out there, though. I mean, I got pretty yeah. warm out doing my yard work and stuff. Watering my grass like an asshole in November, <laughs> but, you know, what can you do? Uh-huh. Got to water that new seed. Andy, mm. if there's one thing I know a little bit about, it's spreading my seed. <laughs> Hey, didn't you say you're going to do a gardening <laughs> podcast one time too? Yeah, yeah, I'm thinking about it. Yeah, a little lawn care, you know. Yeah. I should just quit my job and do nothing but podcast. Surely yeah. one of them would start paying, right? Yeah. Maybe. I don't know if I or, can think about it. So have a or podcast. A Patreon. Thing, <laughs> have a podcast for every hobby I have. <laughs> well,. I drink Bloody Marys. I should probably start a Bloody Mary podcast before I go make this next one. Yeah, we'll have to think of a topic for the next thing. I know we got the uh, end of the year coming up, so we're going to have to put together like our top five albums of the year, probably. Or you want to talk about uh, Record Store Day? Or are you getting anything? I don't know. I haven't looked at the list yet. I'm scared to look at the Uh. list because I have a tendency to buy too much anyhow. See, I've got a few that I want, so I'm holding off trying... Well, try cross my fingers, yeah. trying to hold off buying stuff uh, for another like two weeks till that comes up. But well, Christmas is coming, Andrew, and you know you're supposed to be thinking about giving to others, and not just yourself. I know. My wife tells me that all the time. I'm just recycling her bullshit. I don't. <laughs> I don't believe any of that. Buy yourself whatever you want. Yeah. I'm going to. Yeah, because nobody else is going to buy it for me, so I got to yeah. buy it for myself, yeah. right? I know. Who the fuck's going to buy you that cool record that you really want? Although I will say that, hey. Who else is going to stand out at 6 a.m.? Dude, last year I got, you know, I did get a really cool, uh, that Tom Petty Wildflowers box set thing. So my mother-in-law sprung for that, and I was like, holy shit. Like, because it's not too often that people know what to buy as far as something like that cool. You know what I mean? And there's not... Too many people that are going to spring for an overpriced box set for your... Or they give you cash so you can kind of get it yourself. Right. Which is cool, but then it's like also not that as meaningful as when somebody <laughs> yeah. goes out and buys it and surprises you like, oh, shit, yeah. you know? So it's pretty exciting stuff, but... No, I've gotten a handful of records for Christmas, though, speaking of Christmas. I remember my mom years back. 
buying me uh, Blonde on Blonde. Mm. Bob Dylan, Blonde on Blonde on vinyl, and it was like, man, that's fucking awesome, you know? Mm. I think I just mentioned that, oh, I want, you know, because I just, uh, it was probably like 15 years ago. I remember I was still living in that little shit shack in Deer Creek, and uh, <laughs> and yeah, it was like I was, that was when I was really getting into buying vinyl and stuff and yeah i don't know i was shocked she bought it for me because my mom was always the one when i was growing up that was like ah you buy too many cds you need to quit spending all your <laughs> damn money on cds all the time you ain't ever gonna have anything in the in your savings and my parents are very you know just whatever they were mm-hmm. trying to give me advice right but uh yeah she never understood my <laughs> my obsession <laughs> why i have so many now i have all these CDs and <laughs> records, and now I have a wife that says the same thing. Like, why is there a new record on the goddamn front doorstep <laughs> twice a week? You know, it's like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's really not a good answer. So, <laughs> from a from a responsible, you know, mindset, uh, it doesn't make sense. But you just don't understand me. But we're fucking music dorks, so we'll keep doing it. We'll keep rocking and rolling. It has been a blast. It has been a pleasure. Thanks, Thanks everyone for listening. for listening. Oh, we can say it at the same time. I'm bad at ending. Sometimes